Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I have Scott Ryle Smith with me today. He's the owner and asset protection attorney at Royal Legal Solutions. Scott, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, of course, my name is Scott Royal Smith. I'm an attorney. Uh, I focus on asset protection and I'm a longtime real estate investor. I actually started in real estate investing when I was in law school and I accomplished my own financial freedom through real estate investing. Um, and then after doing that, I'm now at the privilege of kind of accidentally starting a law firm as I've taught other people how to maximize money on their uh, tax savings, how to do the proper entity structuring and their estate planning, et cetera. Um, people just came out of the woodwork saying, hey, what did you set up for yourself, Scott? And I started doing it for them. And voila, I you know now have a law firm with 30 people and we <laughs> operate in 50 states. And, um, yeah. That's awesome. And that's why I have invited you because, you know, I have worked with other asset protection attorneys as well. And most of them do not invest in real estate, right? But I, I, because I invest in real estate and a lot of my listeners have been reaching out to me if they need LLC and whatnot. And of course, we'll go into the weeds here. Uh, but because you also invest in real estate, I wanted to have you on the show to discuss what you do personally, as well as what do you recommend? Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to share all the secrets. I don't have uh, any anything that I don't share, right? So what, what are <laughs> things that awesome. we have as like a core value of Royal Legal Solutions is that we give everything away that we possibly can for free. So any of the information that we have, any of the systems that we use, all of that stuff, we just put it right there on the website. And it's the same things um, that you could just take it and use it on your own. Um, or we have an option where people can do the fulfillment like through us, right? So Got what it. we're really focusing on now is how to get people from zero to 25 million in total net worth. Real estate happens to be a backbone of that because the right. first thing you do is accomplish financial freedom uh -huh. under that, uh, to be able to grow your net worth to that uh, level. And, and, it's, and it's such an interesting thing because everybody is at one level and needs to get to the next level. Yep. It doesn't know exactly what to do. And that's what I get to do for the last six years is just focus on those questions. What are the critical stages? What do we need to put in place within there? What are the tried and true methods from all of the people that I've seen do it? What have they done? And what's worked and what doesn't work? Does that make sense? Yep, it does. So, uh, of course, we want to talk about asset protection. So what is asset protection? Yeah, so it's basically about the way that you, if anybody sues you, how you can just not care. Okay. Right? That's what you're <laughs> do. So rich people actually don't own things and they don't pay taxes. And the reason right. why is because paying taxes is one way that it hurts your net worth. It's one of the biggest killers to your net worth is paying yep. taxes. Every single person that's come in uh, to our organization um, as a client is overpaid on taxes. They're overpaying on taxes. <laughs> it's just always the case. Right aren't optimizing around taxes and people are like, well, I don't want to spend money. It's like, well, you're actually just giving your money away. To right. The yeah. Right? And you're going to save money in the end. Yeah. It's just getting lit on fire, right? To, right. With, by the government, right? The other thing is that an asset protection is that rich people don't own things. Uh -huh. The reason why is because when you don't own things, then people can sue you uh, and you don't care. Because right. you don't have anything there to take. And so what we do is we use different company structuring as okay. well as anonymity trusts 
uh, to make it so that you become bulletproof to any litigation uh, and make it so that if anybody ever looks to see what your, the extent of your assets are, we can hide all of that uh, using anonymity trust and structuring it through a law firm. So that way it'll look like you qualify for food stamps. If anybody <laughs> ever tries to look to sue you. And people that look like they qualify for food stamps just don't get sued. Got it. So why does one need asset protection and isn't insurance enough? Yeah, so insurance is a great thing to have. I'm very well insured, right? Yes. The issue is that comes into this is that insurance is actually the best value type of protection you can buy. Right. It's the cheapest and protects you against the most kinds of risk. The problem that I saw um, and from my my professional practice when I was actually suing insurance companies for denying legitimate claims oh, is wow. that insurance companies are actually a business. Uh, right. And they're in the business of collecting premiums and denying coverage whenever it's really expensive for them to do so. And that's where I would get contacted by people saying, hey, can you go sue this insurance company? So I have the firsthand knowledge of like, this is actually how it operates, right? And we've all seen that on the news or yes. whatnot, right? Hurricane comes through and they just blankly deny our coverage and there's major lawsuits that come through and all that, right? So. Right. What you do is, is that you have the insurance, you hope that they cover you, but if the insurance company decides not to, which they can do for almost any reason, and it's actually right. their choice if they want to cover you or not, right? Then you have an LLC structure and a trust structure put in place to hide your assets and protect them. So that way you lose little to nothing in the event of a lawsuit right. um, and that the insurance, insurance company doesn't uh, protect you. Now, the key piece here, the question, key question that we all have to ask ourselves in here is, do I want to trust a profit-seeking corporation to protect my entire life savings, or do I want to control that myself? And I want right. to use that insurance company as something that just makes my life easier, but I don't trust them, and I don't have to trust them, and I can control my own protection and make sure my life is going to go the way that I want it to. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great question to ask. <laughs> yeah. So... So let's say, for example, uh, should the asset protection strategy differ if I don't own real estate other than, uh, you know, I just own my primary residence uh, in, a, in a mostly litigious state like California, where I'm based out of, or if I own one or two rental properties, would it be different? So... In every asset protection structure, whether we're helping somebody that's a real estate investor, whether somebody that's just a private individual, whether it's somebody who's a business owner that doesn't have any other real estate assets, right. the basic uh, fundamental framework for how this works is that you need at least a two-company structure. Okay. You need one company that owns all of your assets, and that needs to be an anonymous company. Now, that can hold your cash, your stocks, your real estate, everything in there. Now, what that asset holding company is going to be and what's appropriate for you can differ depending upon what assets you have and where you're located, right? right. In California, you don't want to use LLCs because you have huge franchise taxes. So what you should yeah. use is a structure that's called a Delaware Statutory Trust that gives so that, you high levels of protection, anonymity, and whatnot. So that's like a land trust? No, land trusts do not provide any asset protection. Right. Land trusts it's just anonymity. anonymity. Yeah, they right. provide you anonymity and they help you avoid the due on sale clause. So a lot of people uh, think you can't transfer real estate, but if you use land trust, you can because of the St. Germain Act allows you to be able to, uh, it prevents the banks from being able to foreclose based upon the due on sale clause with that. And, but and 
that's so special about the DST as different from a land trust is that the DST is a type of trust structure that actually does provide asset protection. Oh, really? Now, it's much more expensive than a land trust, right? Okay, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. land trust is easy. Land trusts are easy, right? A few hundred bucks, right? Uh -huh. To be able to put that together. Like DST is usually talking anywhere between four to 7,000. Oh, really? Wow, okay. Right? But okay. You, you have to weigh all these things, right? It's not uh -huh. enough to just to look at, okay, what's the cost? It's also, what's the first one-time cost? Okay, what's my ongoing cost? What, how does this function for my taxes, my banking, my accounting? And what we specialize in and just, and just focusing on this one area is what are the most streamlined structures, right? There's a hundred things you could do and there's a hundred right. different practitioners out there. And where I think that, um, where I've been privileged to just focus on just this one super narrow area is what are the structures that give us all the benefits without all of the monetary costs and without all of the complexity right. to our operations, like the banking, the accounting, the taxes, et cetera. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. uh, no, that, that's awesome. And you did mention something which I want to, um, you know, go dig, uh, dig deep is what about the due on sale clause, right? You did mention. So what is that? And where if I'm just transferring, let's say I acquire a property and just for my listeners, uh, uh, when we acquire a real estate, small single family or up to four units, we go through a standard Fannie Freddie uh, conventional financing, right? So that we can get the best rate and whatnot. But then once I have acquired that property, I would, you know, put it or transfer it to my LLC by either quit claim or warranty deed, etc. But then I hear about a lot of people uh, discuss about you on sale clause. So what is that? And how does it affect, uh, you know, when I move my property to LLC? Yeah, so the due on sale clause is actually a clause in the mortgage that says if you, you know, transfer the asset, um, then they can call the whole note due, right? Exactly. Basically saying like, hey, you can't sell this to Bob. Right. You can't sell this to Bob and then just leave the note on the books, right? So this is where we're like land trusts get uh, used. It's because land trusts, uh, because of the trusts, uh, because they're a trust and because of the St. Germain Act, um, you're able to transfer the asset into the trust. And then there can't trigger the due on sale clause. Now that trust is in turn owned by your asset holding company. That's uh, typically either going to be I a see. series LLC, or if you're in California, it's going to be a Delaware statutory trust. Yeah. So I was going to say that series LLC is not recognized in California. That's why you recommend DST. It's, it's more so that it's because of the franchise tax issue. Oh, okay. You can form a series LLC in, in either Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming, even though you can form in over 13 different states. And I'm actually going to testify um, to the Colorado legislature, legislature yes. Thursday. I saw that email. <laughs> on Colorado coming through. Yeah. And, and then, so Colorado <laughs> was picking up a series LLC statute too. Uh, um, but it's almost like unnecessary because you can always form an entity in one state and use it in other states uh, based upon the full faith and credit of the constitution. So this is the same uh, parallel that you use for the Delaware LLCs, right? People are like, oh, I'll form the Delaware LLC. Like, and then they use them everywhere throughout the United right, States. Right. Well, it's because the full faith and credit of the constitution says when you the laws of one state have to be respected among the several states. But you know, there's, there's, a, there's a key piece in here and saying like, there's a lot of complexity, right? I mean, no doubt if anybody's listening to this, their head is spinning at the level <laughs> of complexity that comes into this. Right. But, but, 
the reality is the situation is that you don't have to understand all of the nitty gritty details to the fullest extent, right? This is where having people help you um, when it comes into this kind of knowledge is really important, right? Because as a real estate investor, right. or a business owner, your number one job is to make more money. Like yes. that's the thing that your head should be at. That's what feels natural to you. That's where you should lean into, right? right. And, and these other things like asset protection come into place to keep the whipsaws out of your life because bad things happen and they're hard to recover from. And I talk about that a lot on my podcast on real estate nerds where I've interviewed people about their best and worst deals. And some people have lost 25, $50 million and oh, gone bankrupt wow. and had to recover from it, right? Uh, and I was like, that's, they recovered. But it's extremely painful. Yes. So what we try to look at is say, well, asset protection is about how to smooth out the curves. It's to ensure that you have, um, ensure that you have smooth growth over time because life is better that way. And and somebody I know that didn't do this was a friend of mine who lost over three million dollars from a single lawsuit. He was very wow. well insured, and he had all the properties in his personal name, which is the absolute worst way you can right. own anything. Right. Your cash, your stocks, your real estate, none of that should be in your personal name. And he had all in his personal name and he said, I'm really well insured. They can't get me. Well, there was a business deal that he did and it went sideways on him and he got sued for breach of contract and they took all of his real estate. Well, wow. come to find out that that insurance never covers you <laughs> on a breach of contract claim and it'll never cover you from a claim with somebody who says that you had a misunderstanding with. Now, in the legal world, they call that fraud, right? Because you have to say somebody lied to you to say that you're entitled to money, right? You can't just say, oh, we had right. just had a understanding that's really what a fraud claim really works out to be but uh, insurance never covers you from there and, and we right. and these things pop up all the time for my clients because it's like oh any email that you send any phone call you make any contract that you sign all of those have a basis for liability that you can shelter yourself from but you have to be proactive and taking right. the steps ahead of time does that make sense yeah it does so it's it's interesting and I, I i love learning about a lot of you know tax stuff as well as asset protection and every time i hear you and other leaders in the industry there's always something new i learn <laughs> right. okay. so uh, my question is that if if you are able to form a series llc do you not use dst so dst is kind is it a replacement for series llc uh, for folks in california so the DST is what you want to use if you're located in California or Got your property is located in California because California has crazy laws. Yes. About <laughs> Tell me so about other, it. <laughs> yeah, man. And the other 49 states though will use a series LLC. Um, Got it. And, and we'll typically use a series LLC formed in Texas because we're looking at what is the strongest LLCs to determine that question. You have to know what is the charging order protection mm -hmm. and then the the charging order protection states are Delaware, Texas, Nevada, and Wyoming. Of right. those four states, Texas doesn't have any yearly fees or yearly taxes. So there's oh, a lot of fees in Texas. Oh, wow. And nobody so, knows about that. You know, it's just not as popular. Because everyone tries to sell Wyoming and Nevada when you talk about series LLC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What you find is that like a lot of attorneys, I, I can form these up any, everywhere in the country. Right. I, I'm not bound by jurisdiction, right? Uh -huh. What you find is that like attorneys just have to say one is the best and right, <laughs> that's what right. i found like oh this one's the best and that's why you should yeah. use me and i was like well not really i mean let's actually look at like functionally what we need and then let's look at operationally what's going to be most efficient for us and then let's look at how can we save the most amount of money on taxes and yearly fees and that's where right. i've i've landed on on using texas primarily but okay. i'm happy to use anything anyway <clears throat> okay so and uh 
So that that's interesting. So how do you use the series LLC? And so let's say uh, you, I form an LLC or series LLC in Texas, but I own properties in Atlanta, uh, Alabama, I mean, Georgia, Alabama, and Texas, right? So do I need a new LLC in each of those states, which are like child yeah. LLC? No, so what you'll do is, is with the advantage of the series LLC or the DST um, is that you can uh, create what's called a child series. Okay. These child series for liability purposes act just like individual entities, okay. right? Um, but the advantage to them is that they're infinitely scalable and they don't cost you anything oh. as you scale. So you get an infinitely scalable company for a one-time cost. Now, when you want to own properties in any other state, what you simply do is you create a land trust. That okay. land trust is going to own the property in Atlanta. Uh -huh. That land trust is in turn owned by your DST if you're located in California or your right. series LLC if you're anywhere else. Right. And now I didn't have to create a new entity, our new LLC, and have to pay uh. all the different filings. I also didn't have to do a foreign entity registration. Right. Because if you do LLC, yeah, if you do LLC, you have to register. <laughs> yeah. Because you only have to do a foreign entity registration on, a, on an LLC, right? Because right. it's a trust that owns the property, there is no foreign entity registration. I see. And so then I can avoid all of those costs and fees as well. So oh, you simply acquire the property, get the best financing you can um, with it. That's probably for your first 10 properties. It's going to be your conformity right. loans, right? Uh -huh. Then after you close, you contact us, and then we put the property into a land trust that's underneath your entity structure. Okay. Then we maintain all of that entity for all of our clients so they don't have to worry about any of the minutes, okay. any of the paperwork, any of the filings, any of that stuff. Got it. So even the land trust uh, would need um, meeting minutes and all those kind of maintenance no, just, stuff? No, right? just the LLC, just the parent company. Just the series LLC or the DST. So basically right. you are also saving time and money on that side, right? Because right. right now I have LLCs in like three different states. And then of course I have LLC here in California. And am I required to pay California franchise fee even if I own a property in Georgia and my LLC is in Georgia? Yeah, so according to the California Franchise Tax Board, uh, if you own an LLC anywhere in the country, whether it does business inside of California or not, by the mere fact that you're a California resident, you should have to pay $800 per year. Now, yeah. if, they, if you don't get caught, awesome. If you do get caught, you owe all the back fees plus a ton of penalties that are oh, really, really Oh, wow. So okay. that's why it's like, I don't like to mess around with that kind of stuff because who knows when California is going to flip the switch. Yeah, don't right? mess like, with California. <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's nothing you can do if it's already back, right? Yeah. All that stuff is like skeletons in the closet. So if, right. if you've been operating one way where you think you might have been skirting the law, and telling stuff, the best thing you can do is just shut it down, shift into a new structure that's safe, and then continue forward without having that like looming time bomb. You know, of maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. At least that's what I like to do because I just like to live a low stress life. Right, right, absolutely. So basically, the recommended structure for California would be DST and then uh, own the asset in uh, Lantras, and Lantras is owned by DST. And same way, it would be similar in other states, but DST gets replaced by Cities LLC. Yeah, that's right. And that's all you need for an asset holding company. Oh, hold okay. all your real estate. You can hold all your cash, all your stocks. You don't need to worry about your retirement accounts, like your solo 401ks or your IRAs or your um, health insurance. 
or not your health insurance, but your life insurance, all those things are already asset protected. So you just need one company essentially that can hold all of your assets. And then you need one other company that does all of your operations. So Management. anything that's front facing. Yeah, right. So that's going to be your property management company for real estate or your business entity or whatever, right? Essentially what that LLC is though, is just an entity that doesn't own anything, but it does everything. Right. So right. all of the liability for all of your business is through that LLC. It's through that, yeah. Yeah. So basically exactly. stripping away the equity, right? So because the equity is in one LLC or the DST and then the management is on another LLC. So if if the most of the time the management company is what would get sued, right? That's right. So the management company will be the one that gets sued and because it doesn't own anything, right. the liability is limited to the management company. So we would just shut down that management company and start up a new one. Now uh -huh. there might be a lawsuit against the individual property. Let's say grandma falls through the staircase, right? right? right. And she's going to sue the management company, but she's also going to sue the property owner itself right, right? Mm -hmm. and i say hey this property owner is actually negligent here and your insurance company might look at that and say hey you should have fixed that staircase so we're going to say you were grossly negligent because we think you should have known about that hazard and that you should have fixed it so we're not going to cover it so happens that grandma is catastrophically injured and that's why the insurance company doesn't want to cover it right so what's right. the extent of your loss there well your extent of your loss if you use a series llc or a dst is that one property Right. They can't go after any of the other properties and they can't go after any of your other assets because right. everything is compartmentalized yes. underneath the child series of the DST or the series LLC. Got so you it. see how all these protections layer in, making it really difficult and time consuming and costly for yes. people to come after you. Yep. Makes sense. So land trust would give me uh, anonymity and then DST also gives me um, asset protection and anonymity. That's that right. Correct? That's Got right. I mean, everything is structured through the law firm. Okay. So if anybody inquires about any, any of these structures, it's all protected by the attorney client privilege and I'm not able to answer any of those questions. I see. Nice. So in the end though, uh, it's hard for them to figure out who owns the assets, but it's not impossible, right? So they can still someone who is savvy enough should be able to figure out who owns these assets. There's ways that people can like guess who might own it, right? Right, so they, like if you acquire the property and then you transfer to land trust, well, your name actually appears in the chain of title. They might guess that you own the asset um, and say, hey, well, we think that they still own it, so we're gonna go ahead and go after them, right? Yeah. Now, if they do guess that, they actually guess wrong because you don't own it anymore. It's actually owned by a land trust and that land mm -hmm. trust is actually owned by another entity. So then they've just wasted five to $10,000. Oh, wow. Now, okay. It, it's important to note here that when you're looking at what's the value of protection, you're not looking for protection that's 100%. You're right. looking at saying, how can I get 95% uh -huh. uh -huh. in a way that doesn't complicate my life and that I can yeah. afford? To yeah. get 100% protection, you have to start doing all kinds of really expensive Oh, yeah, things, yeah. Like that yeah, you get into debt, right? Uh, domestic asset protection trust or, uh, you know, as, uh, debt or foreign asset protection trust in Cayman Islands and whatnot. And that gets very expensive and very complicated from reporting perspective. Yeah, it's really just not for the average person that has no. less than 5 million net worth. Right. So if you're anywhere between that zero to 5 million range, these are the structures that you need. If you're less than $50,000 total net worth, don't do anything. <laughs> really right if you like don't make a lot of money and you don't have a lot of money you don't right. need any of the stuff that you should focus right. on how to make more money right yes. but once you start getting over that fifty to hundred thousand um, dollar net worth 
once you start having over $50,000 a year in non-W-2 income, that's when you need to start thinking about entity structuring, tax savings, and a lot of these other things that are coming up. But that's why I always tell people, I say, listen, if you're in question about any of these things, it's worth having a conversation about. If right. you're serious about like, how do I want to build, build wealth long term? Because we're always happy to have that conversation, you know? And, uh, you know, just to kind of give like a, you know, roadmap, so to speak, of like, here's yes. actually what looks yes. like, this is what makes sense for the level you're yeah. at. Here's the things that we think you should focus on to get to the next level from where right. we've seen people right. do. Right, because everyone's situation is different. Everyone has different risk tolerance. Everyone has different kind of investment investments, et cetera. So let me throw a curveball at you, and we haven't discussed any of this about any of this before, right? So because you mentioned putting your stock uh, stocks, etc., in DST as well, right? So what happens to my living trust? Yeah, so your I, living trust will actually own your DST, and then your DST uh, will in turn own everything else. So only it. things inside of your living trust as part of your estate planning offers no protection. Your living trust right. is just a tool to be able to avoid probate. Avoiding yep. probate is yep. extremely important because if things go through the probate process, all the assets are disclosed on the public record and they also say who they go to. So essentially you're creating a target for whoever is inheriting any of your assets. If you use a living trust though, you avoid probate, all of the assets go directly to the beneficiaries, those people in your life that you care about. Right. And when you combine the living trust with the DST, they're all protected during your life and they pass in a protected manner to your loved ones. Yeah, I see. That, that's, an, that's interesting. I did not know about that. So yeah, because I have a living trust which is separate, right? So yeah, that, that's really interesting. Of course, we'll have to chat about my situation <laughs> one of those days. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'd love to do it. Yeah. So um, another question I have, let's say someone has owned, I own some uh, properties in land trust and LLC. But let's say someone has owns a couple of properties in two different LLCs. At this point, what do you suggest them? So, should they be transferring into? In, so they just did, uh, you know, the quit claim deed and transferred the property into LLC. Should they shut down the LLC and put everything in land trust and start a DST, or, or what do you suggest? It, it really depends upon the situation, right? Okay. And it depends upon what, what it is that you want to accomplish. Having something inside of an LLC is great because it's not in your name anymore. And that was one of right. our rules. Right? We want to be like rich people that don't own things and don't pay taxes. <laughs> right. right. But the thing is, is that saying, well, that's pretty mediocre in terms of what the protections you can have. If you're located in California, I'd say that it's a no brainer to switch to the yeah. DSP because the ongoing costs are going to be so much cheaper than uh, right. with a DST than they are, and your protections are going to be better um, than they are with using an LLC structure. For everybody else out there that's using just the LLC structures in California, what I'd look at is say is like, listen, is it important to you to be able to, um, one, to compartmentalize every asset? So if there's a lawsuit against one asset, they can't go after the others. And two, is it important to you that people don't know what your net worth is and don't know where all your assets are? Because yeah. if you're just using these normal LLC kind of structures, people can find out very easily who owns the LLCs and find out what the assets of those LLCs are. And your neighbor ends up knowing what, you know, what all the properties you own are, right. what your net worth is. And for me, that makes me uncomfortable. So I like to be able to say like, to me, anonymity is really important in that respect. It's also really important in the, in the respect of saying, in terms of real protection, 
some of the best real protection you can buy is the one that actually keeps the lawsuit from getting filed in the first place. Yeah. And having anonymity structures in place make it look like you qualify for food stamps, and that's how you actually stop the lawsuit before it starts. If you just have your typical LLC structure in place, what you are is advertising to people like, here's the assets. Come attack them. Yeah. You know? And then they know what the extent of the assets are before they spend the money to file right. the lawsuit. Yeah, makes you it easier. You want to make the lawsuit a bad gamble, <laughs> yeah. right? You want to make yeah, it look yeah. like you own nothing, that it's going to be really expensive. Yeah. And you don't even want them to try. <laughs> right. Yeah, because the moment they file a lawsuit, it just costs you $5,000 for an attorney. Right, right. For nothing, yes, correct. For nothing, yeah. And it might cost you all the way up to fifty, uh-huh. or more if you have to go through and actually defend it. So we really want them to not file that lawsuit. Makes sense. So, and let's say someone like me who is an entrepreneur as well and has an S corp as well as C corp, how would that work? So those are typically going to be, you have your asset holding company that's going to hold all of your income, right? Uh-huh. And then what you, and it's going to hold all of the assets and all of the income. And then what you might say is like, well, I actually want to have different tax treatment. So right. you have your S corp or your C corp simply just charge fees as like consulting fees against your asset holding company. And then you channel the income through those other structures to be able to save you the money on the taxes. So right. that 50 to $130,000 mark is typically where you take that income and channel it through the S corp. Once you get above the 130,000 mark in terms of yearly revenue, that's when you start, you know, uh, channeling the money through the C corp have it taxed at the C-Corp level at 21% and then have the C-Corp then loan you right. the money in like a 40-year note, interest-only note. Okay. And so that, yeah, no, that's great. That was a selfish question, right? It wasn't about this, but I just wanted to know more. So no, that, that's awesome. That's, and, and it gets very complicated as well. So I highly recommend working with an attorney like Scott Smith, right? If you are trying to do something like this, of course, there is a lot of information out there on internet, but it's always better to you know, reach out to an attorney who understands your particular situation, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And to tell you the truth, we have it all on the royallegalsolutions.com yes. website. When you just go to the, you click the banner at the top that says take a quiz, that quiz page uh, goes you know, to another page on there. There's like a simple eight question quiz that lets us be able to grab the basic information we need to, to have a meaningful conversation in the very first conversation. There's also a video on there that's about an hour and 45 minutes long oh, wow. where, where I've, I've taken everything I know about all of the asset protection, the land trust, the flow of the money, the taxes, the banking, the accounting, everything I know and all of the tax strategies and pushed it all into that video. It's all super nice. dense content into it right there's no fluff to that at all it's just like here is it right and then from there then you'll be able to see like exactly how it works right and so it has everything we talked about today but even in much 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 more detail and it's laid out in a way that it builds one concept on top of the other um and people that watch that are that watch that hour and 45 minute video, I get emails and phone calls and text messages about this <laughs> stuff all the time. They're like, it was like, this thing blew my mind. Right. I didn't even know it existed. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, the one more question I have is about what about banking, accounting and insurance? Cause I have LLCs and they, once you start adding LLCs, it's, it becomes another problem, right? Banking, moving the, adding the additional insured in the insurance as well. And omitting minutes, uh, you also need a registered agent RA in that particular state. 
So all of that adds up. And of course, I end up paying uh, my attorney for some of that as well and CPA. So how would that work? Uh, or what do you have to keep in mind when you use Series LLC slash DST? Yeah, so with either of those structures, you can manage everything through one bank account with one EIN number and oh. one tax return. All you need is uh, your one set of accounting books would just tag or classify all of the income for each property separately, right? So you mm. just tag it as like, hey, this is uh, for property A, this is for property B, this is property C, et cetera. Um, and then then you, then you can do everything in one bank account. And it's fine to do it that way because actually accounting records are the best records for showing that you're treating these as individual entities more so than anything else. I now, see. when it comes in terms of um, the banking, we have banking solutions that we offer um, for all online banking. So you can use any bank that has a national charter. Um, so it's probably going to be some of your local banks. Um, but if you don't, then we have a banking solution that we can set up a bank account fully online. You never mm -hmm. even have to step foot in the branch to do it. Um, now, all the, these pieces for the entity structuring comes to places are all set up to be passed through for tax treatment. Right. So for many of our clients, none of their taxes actually change at all. And none of their mm -hmm. actually their tax filings change at all because everything just flows through to their personal return unless they're making more money. If you're making over fifty dollars to $130,000 a year, we should look at setting up an S corporation. If yeah. you're making more than that, then we should look at setting up a C corporation because the cost of those um, outweigh, uh, uh, the cost of those um, outweigh the, how much you're going to be losing in taxes by not doing it and, and not paying the extra CPA fees for doing those filings. Now, when it comes to saying, well, gosh, this stuff sounds complicated. How do I manage all of it? How do I maintain all of it? You know, how can I keep track of all this stuff? Well, I realized this was a major problem because what I saw is that people would set up these things and then they don't manage them correctly. And if you don't right. manage them correctly, then they don't work. Yeah. And that's why so many. That's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it, right? Yeah. So what we did is we set up something that we call a family office. So family okay. offices are typically for billionaires. Right. What we're doing at the family office for the average person, the zero to 25 million person to say, hey, listen, we're going to be responsible for maintaining all of the entities for you, making sure all the paperwork is done every year for you, making sure all the filings are done every year, all the registration fees are done every year. We're going to give you some hours for attorney, uh, for attorney time. We're going to give you unlimited support with our staff for any questions that you have. We're going to invite you to private access to all the shows that I do where I'm interviewing um, all kinds of top talent uh -huh. um, in many different sectors of it. So you can have access to the information. If you're ever involved in a lawsuit, you, we will represent you in that lawsuit as part of your legal team. It's like your strategy team. Right. And what we do is we break that into a really low monthly amount and say that everybody can afford to be able to have the absolute uh, top shelf kind of service um, and know that they don't have to worry about maintaining any of this stuff because all of that's going to be off their plate so that they can focus on making more money, living a better life, spending time with their family, whatever the case may be. Right. And that's something I was really committed to because at the heart of what I want to do is, is help people smooth out the curves in the life and then offload all of this complexity onto us because we have the systems and the processes and the thousands right. of to do it for. So we already have a good system for that, to be able to do this affordably. And we have so many people that we don't have to charge an arm and a leg to right. give. Which makes sense. <laughs> it's like almost like an insurance policy, right? Yeah. Nobody gets, not everybody gets in trouble at the same time. Right. Right? So it's like, uh -huh. cool. So we'll all just chip in a little bit. 
Yep. And then we can give everybody really awesome yeah. service that they could never afford otherwise. Yeah. And it, it, as you said, it's like insurance. You you don't want to ever use your insurance, but if you ever need, it's there, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and part of that comes into like the proactive steps that we have to do uh-huh. for people. Like one of the things that um, I put in a place was a biannual reviews. So twice a year, we sit down with every single one of our clients. And really it's because we don't trust them. We don't trust right. them to do this stuff right. So we're going to make them walk through it all with us about like, okay, show me how you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm going to make sure that you're doing it right. We're going to update things as we go along. We're going to be the ones that hold the accountability because people are busy and they just, right. they just drop off. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, one last question uh, before we switch the topic is that do I need to also set up an or do I need to have an address like a registered agent um, in, in that particular state? Like for an example, you know, when I own a, an LLC uh, or when I have a property in Alabama and I have an LLC owning that property, I also needed an address and registered agent in that. So now I have a mail forwarding service uh, as, as well as real, uh, you know, registered agent, etc. So wh- how does that work in land trust world? Yeah, so underneath our system, you wouldn't need any of those fees. You wouldn't have to pay any of your yearly uh, compliance fees. You wouldn't have to have a registered agent. You wouldn't have to have any of that. The land trust simply owns the title to the property. Um, any Anything that's connected to that land, uh, that land trust simply points back to the law firm. And to uh, me. I see. Okay. So it, it's a huge cost savings. <laughs> right, Yeah. <laughs> Because it, it all starts setting up. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. Yeah, and and that's what we have to keep track of, right? When you're thinking yes. of long-term wealth building or financial freedom, it's not the one-time cost. Nope. There is one. There's some significant one-time cost to getting this up, stuff set up right yeah. to last you for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. But the killer is ongoing costs. Yes. Ongoing Recurring, costs yeah. to keep you from, my, from financial freedom, not one-time costs. I agree. So that's awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed the discussion. Hey, uh, Scott, so can you recommend any apps or website you use for real estate or for your business, which you um, absolutely love? Yeah, you know, really like my favorite website is, and I'm probably sure so many people say this, is actually biggerpockets.com. Yes, I, actually I love that. <laughs> a lot through BP and we have so many BP clients that really come yeah, through. That's I how I found you. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, yes. that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think we post about two articles a week through BP yes. into it. And then I'll be looking to, to launch a book on solo 401ks actually uh, through them here in the near future. But yes. uh, yeah, that I would be BP. awesome. I would love to uh, uh, read the book for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll send you a copy whenever we launch. Thank you so much. Any business or real estate book you recommend? Yeah, my favorite uh, business. Well, this is not really a business book per se. Uh, but it's one that I've been reading right now. It's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And Emotional it's about how do you connect with people better. And what I've realized is that it's not the strategies or the tactics that really make the biggest movers in my life or my business. It's the who. Uh-huh. Who do I connect with that's really high quality top talent? Right. To be able to know how to do that, though, requires high levels of emotional intelligence and connection with others. So if it's really about all about the who and not the what, then emotional intelligence is the key to the door that gets you into that relationship. That's great. I'm going to put it on my list as well. So how can my listeners reach out to you? The best way to do it is just to go to the royallegalsolutions.com website. You're going to see a ton of great information on there and ways to be able for you to see like 
uh, ways for you to pick your own journey, right? If you're a single family investor, whether you're a business owner, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're interested in generational wealth, there's going to be really clear ways for you to say, hey, where do I fit in to the types of information they have here? If you're interested in being in, in talking to somebody on my team or seeing um, that video that I talked about that was an hour and 45 minutes long and has all the best content that I know about into it, what you do is you click on the banner at the top of the royallegalsolutions.com website. That's the take a quiz. And that'll take you to the next page. Fill out that quiz. And then we'll be able to get you in um, with one of my advisors to start that conversation. Now, it's never too early to start the conversation. Even if we might not do business together for six months or a year. Right. That's cool. I'm happy to pay my people to talk to you. <laughs> to help you with wherever you're at uh -huh. into it. So my best recommendation is go to royallegalsolutions.com and take that quiz and just have that conversation and see where you fit in now and see where it's going to make sense for us to be able to help you at some time in the future, if not right now. That's great. Thank you so much, Scott, for um, you know coming on the podcast on a, such a short notice. I thoroughly appreciate it. Thank you again. Of course. Ab, it's just my pleasure and it's an honor to be here. And I just look forward to being able to help you and, and help all of your people. Absolutely. And you know, that's what I'm about, man. It's how can we get people more financially free? Because the more financially free people we can create in this world, I think we're going to be able to make some big changes with yeah, how things yeah. Going. We'll build a better world for sure if they're financially free. <laughs> I think so. That's my goal. Yeah. Take care, Scott. My man. Thanks, brother. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. If you are on the fence about investing or have any questions about alternative investments, please reach out to me at alpesh at wealthmatters.com it's a-l-p-e-s-h at w-e-a-l-t-h-m-a-t-r-s dot com thanks for listening to the wealth matters podcast if you enjoyed it please leave us a five-star rating on itunes so others can enjoy the show too have a great week and happy investing.